Good morning, everybody. Welcome and happy Tuesday. Welcome back. I uh, appreciate everybody being here. And uh, first show uh, of the year with our uh, rad lead-in. So obviously... It was a bad lead-in. Bad, bad, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was a bad lead-in, <laughs> um, as was mine. And uh, obviously, we got quite a lot more people with us today. Um, we love having, uh, love having you guys here. And uh, we're going to try to get through uh, some things quickly. For anybody that wasn't here last week, one of the things that... I, uh, I talked about was, oh, and, and we've got Jeff obviously with us again today. Um, so one of the things I talked about last week was each week I would like to try to give you guys a topic that is something that I, I think is as broad as a pe- broad appeal as I can make it and uh, useful information, something that can be uh, beneficial. Last week we talked about Google Voice, what it can be used for, um, how, how it's helpful to so many people. It's free. And, uh, I want to try to get as many of those kind of topics in as I can. If you, if you have something that, you know, you use, um, that you think is very beneficial and would like a larger audience to know about, send me some ideas. I've obviously got quite a few things that I use personally, and I want to try to find those ones that are low hanging fruit, easy for anybody to get access to, uh, easy for most people to take advantage of. And so this week, um, Brandon mentioned it, we're going to be talking about extensions, browser extensions. And uh, on the surface, that sounds like, okay, I'm already lost. The heck is a browser extension? So I'm going to go through what it is and why it's not complicated and why it's something that you can take advantage of and should. Um, do you have any extensions on your on your browser? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a few. What are you rocking? Uh, well, I've got the uBlock that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. on my work computer here, but mm-hmm. I've I've used a number of extensions for uh, video capturing mm. um, and also for uh, different web development tools. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Tons of tons of tools so, are yeah, available. That, yeah, I've got I've got these things that are built into Chrome that help me to determine exactly what color something is, so I can match those colors if I want to on a site that I'm working on, things like that. Little known fact, we don't talk about this much, but Jeff does a little bit of a. Uh, fun side game design, right? Um, I'm working on it. Yeah. Uh, he, he's got some talents, some things that we haven't really shown. Maybe maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to show one of those videos at one point. Sure. Yeah, that'd sure. be good. Um, so uh, w- without getting too distracted, what is an extension? Why is it beneficial? So uh, browsers are things like Edge and Chrome and Firefox and mm-hmm. Safari. Mm-hmm. And Opera. pretty much Opera. Yeah, pretty much all of them support extensions. And extensions are... Um, kind of exactly the word. They are an extension or an addition to the browser itself. So kind of like, you know, you think about Windows uh, or, you know, your Windows 10 or 8 or whatever you got, and you install Photoshop. Right. You install programs or applications, extensions. uh, Yeah. Programs and applications are to Windows as extensions are to browsers. Right, right. So extensions on browsers are just kind of these small add-ons, and they make Ideally, they make your browsing experience better in some way or another. Well, and we really don't think about it this way, but because I think that most of us, when we're using a browser like Edge or Chrome or whatever, we think of that as just being a program. But really, every website that we go to is a program in and of itself. It's right. a, it's an application that's being interpreted by the browser in the same way that. Photoshop or Quicken or Word is being interpreted by Windows. That's probably a good good way to highlight, you know, when you when you do something as simple as go to a website, radradio.com or especially the members website, members.radradio.com. The members website uh, we built from scratch and it right. is absolutely a program. You know, it, it it there's a lot to it. That program has a lot in in it. 
Um, one of the things that we do, even with the members website, is we have tracking cookies. The reason we use tracking cookies is to make it easier for people who are members to stay logged in. Mm-hmm. Um, you get an ex- you know, a, a period of time that if you close the browser and reopen it, it's just it's logged in again. So it's and that's kind of like the lowest form of tracking cookie, something very simple. That's the only tracking cookie that we use. That's all we really care about is just for you know security functions. But um, well, and when we hear cookies, most of the time, if they're not like the delicious kind, mm-hmm. most of the time that you hear about cookies in the news, it's a bad thing. You right. know, it's something that like we talked. To, I think we talked about it last week that Google is yeah preventing uh, preventing third party tracking cookies from being finally. Uh, yeah, the, 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 they're the last ones who boarded the train right. to stop third-party tracking cookies from being on you. And those are, those are things that we generally identify as, as bad ones. Right. But a lot of most cookies, um, at least originally, were designed to improve the user's experience, to uh, be able to say, oh, yeah, this person's been to this site again, so I don't need to show them this part of the site again. I can take them directly to the place that they want to go to. Oh, I know who this person is, so I can let them access this parts of these parts of the site. Right. Or you go to, uh, you know, your favorite online mattress distributors website mm-hmm. and you browse their their variety of mattresses that can be shipped to your home and and uh, they leave tracking cookies about what products you looked at and then you right. go to your competitor their competitor and that competitor is now looking at those cookies to determine what mattresses you had an interest in mm. and and that's not you know sometimes that can't be possible but that is a very common use mm. but then there's there's a lot more um, you know nefarious things like um, what websites are you going to uh, in general? You know, I don't need the company I'm buying a mattress from to know what my hobbies are, you know? And, oh, yeah, and, you do. And, and, yeah, and you can imagine, like, the, the 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 nefarious acts that could take place from a website who who doesn't have your your you know good it doesn't have good intentions right and so that's where that's where um, Chrome finally is taking a step up and they're going to block third party tracking cookies from communicating with with each other in a way um, and it sort of it improves our privacy but prior to that a a Chrome add on that I would recommend there's a couple of them. Uh, for privacy. One of them is, is called Ghostery. Another one is called Privacy Badger. Kind of the same thing. Ghostery is, is po- possibly a little bit more popular. Um, but it's not named after an animal, so... Uh, it is not. Yeah, yeah, so it's not as cool as, That's right. as Privacy Badger. That's yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, both of them have the same goal, which is to improve your uh, privacy uh, online when you're when you're browsing. And um, you might have heard us talk about before VPNs. That's another mm-hmm. way to improve mm-hmm. private privacy. That form of privacy is slightly different. Right. <laughs> and uh, without getting in the weeds too much, if you really wanted to have like the ultimate private experience online. Um, you don't want people to know what you're doing, whether for good reasons or bad. Um, a VPN is great to prevent your internet mm-hmm. provider from mm-hmm. seeing what you're doing and then uh, blocking online trackers from basically everything else seeing what you're doing. Uh, local programs, even in your computer, have the ability to look at these things if they right. wanted to. So uh, a couple of extensions uh, that we could start with recommendations on would be Ghostery, uh, mm-hmm. which, which is exactly how it sounds. Not Ghosterly, but Ghostery, uh, as well as Privacy Badgers. Uh, Privacy Badger, sorry, singular. It's just one. Just one badger. Um, and th- there, there is a you downside. You can't handle that many Privacy Badgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, is, there, is, there can be a, a, a very minor downside to these things, which is that they can slow down page load times a little bit. 
um, they, they'll analyze a page that you have. Um, they prevent certain things that are intended to make a page load faster from mm -hmm. working because those same things can invade your privacy. Right. But um, they stop targeted ad. They stop targeted ads and tracking. Right. So how do you get these? Um, uh, uh, Chrome is the browser that we find most people are using, besides mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. Edge. Uh, one of the easiest things you can do is just Google Edge extensions. Firefox extensions, Chrome extensions. And your top result, as long as it's not an ad and it'll say ad next to it. Right. You is, should always be aware when you're searching on Google that the top result is probably going to be an ad. Right. And now in this case, if you if you actually search on Google um, Chrome extensions, which I'll do real quick, I'm pretty sure Chrome Google runs their own ad. Yeah, it, it'll be their top result. It, it says Chrome Web Store. Another way you can get to it too on Chrome is on the on the updated versions of Chrome. There's a little puzzle, a uh, little jigsaw puzzle mm -hmm. icon mm -hmm. now uh, up on the top right corner of the screen, and if you click on that, um, there's a it'll bring you up your your extensions. If you already have any installed, they'll they'll appear there, um, and there's a button that says Manage Extensions. This will show you all of the ones that you have installed and enabled. If you have any, it might be empty. And on the left side of that screen that just came up, you have a, a button that says Chrome Web Store. So that's another way you can get there and find uh, extensions. Um, you can enable and disable extensions here. Like for example, I personally have, uh, I only have four extensions currently installed and um, one of them is disabled, which is uh, one we've talked about in the past called Honey. And mm -hmm. I, I just use it for like ways to save money online and track prices and things like that. Um, but I, I don't use it very often, so I, I enable right. it when I want it. You know, I just go in there and turn it on. Um, but as far as privacy is concerned, um, these these two that I've talked about, Ghostery and Privacy Badger, the intent here is really just to to improve your privacy online. Um, and and there, it's just such an easy thing to do once. It takes a few minutes. It's free. Um, and it's beneficial in the long run for you. you don't, it's not something you have to maintain. You don't have to think about it. You don't got to pay for it. You don't have to update it. It self-updates uh, along with Chrome while you're keeping Chrome updated. Um, and and it's just it's one of those things that's like, well, I can spend 30 seconds to a minute out of my day to, to get mm -hmm. one of these little privacy uh, trackers in place. And it's something we recommend for anybody. In fact, the majority of customers who call us for uh, support, um, whether we're in their home or working on their computer in our shop or we're connected remotely, this is a really common suggestion for suggestion from us is like, you know, we'll do a tune up, but we also often say like, Hey, there's some third party tools you can get that are free that we can throw in there for you too, that just kind of help your overall experience. So this is something that you can do for free yourself too. Just go into these websites uh, or go, going to these extensions and, and installing them and, and improving your experience online. Mm -hmm. So another one is uh, a one very similar vein as uh, Ghostery and, and Privacy Badger is, is called uBlock, mm -hmm. um, specifically uBlock Origin. So it's a lowercase u and then capital B, uBlock. Is it a U or it's is it technically is a, a micro symbol? Is it a mu? It's a yeah, yeah. It's a micro symbol, but they've. They, I think they've kind of caved that the majority of people don't know what that is. Well, and we don't have a way to type it right. Either. Not easy. It's because because we don't have Greek characters on our on keyboards. Our keyboards. Yeah, so you could just type in the letter so, U and then block. We're um, gonna get a new character. And we are a new key. We'll yeah, talk we are about getting later, new keys. But, yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, we don't have for people using uh, mu blocker or mm -hmm. mu torrent. Um, from for those folks back in there, um, yeah, just type the letter U. Cause, yeah, letter U. Because we don't have a. And what it does is exactly uh, what we said. You know, it's a pop-up blocker, um, but it does a little bit more than that too. It, um, if you were to go 
oh man, this is, I would say this is probably the most important one for anybody to have. If you just get one extension, get this extension. Because, and it should be the first one you get also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The reason is, I, we just said a moment ago that if you Google something and an ad comes up, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, it might, it might lead you to something that you don't want. Right. Like you might you might search tech to you and some, you know, company in India is is trying to Yeah, if you look for HP up. support or something like that, the first thing that's going to come up is not Hewlett Packard. <laughs> yeah, some scam probably. Be, yeah, who knows who. So, um ads I mean it might also be us cuz we advertise too. But, <laughs> yeah, right. But, yeah, you but, might uh, see us. But yeah, there's a lot of folks that I talk to every single day who have googled things and they just clicked the very first thing. That, that that came up just assuming that that's that that's what it was supposed to be and I got to tell them you know Sorry. today you got lucky today yeah. today you got me I'm just an honest person at a computer repair company who wants to help but there are plenty of other people who'd be like oh yeah absolutely I'm with Dell yeah Let yeah me get exactly. connected to your computer what's whatever, your credit card number whatever you need um, so when it comes to uh, extensions uh, or, or, or pop-up blocking extensions, you block origin is the name of the one that we recommend. And the reason why I would say you want to put that one in first is because it, first off, it, it stops a lot of those Google ads from even appearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they do appear, it actually has one of my absolute favorite features of anything that you can get from any extension. When you click on the ad, it'll load a screen that says, are you sure you want to proceed mm-hmm. with the link that you've clicked on? And it's a really obvious page that indicates to you, you you've clicked on something that you might not have meant to and that it's going to track you along that process. Yeah, it really looks like you've made a mistake. <laughs> it does. When you, you click on it, it brings you to this page, big, big warning symbol, right. and you're like, oh, I don't know that I want to keep going. Right, exactly, yeah. And so that is probably what my, my favorite feature of this is that uh, it makes it a lot harder to click on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. It makes it much more challenging to click on an ad that is uh, intended to deceive you or defraud you or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you block Origin. I highly recommend um, you can you know install it on Chrome very easily or any other browser. Uh, it's an extension that's available again for free, mm-hmm. um, and you could even just Google uBlock Origin. Again, it should be the top result, but you could also go to the Chrome store like I talk or the Chrome extension store like I talk. Well, about and here. if you're downloading it from the Chrome extension store, that's another layer of security, knowing that at least has been vetted in some right, way. Right, you yeah. still want to make sure you want to make sure that. You're getting it from a source that you trust, that it indicates on that source that you trust that it's from the company that you're expecting it to be, and that it has the name that you're expecting, um, and then and then you install it. Because right. it, isn't, it isn't that hard to install something that's masquerading as something else, but if you're looking for uBlock Origin, you're getting it through the Google Chrome extension store, or whatever mm-hmm. they call it, um, then then your odds are real good you're getting you're getting what you want and it will protect you from so many ads that just pop up all the time yeah and i mean obviously the 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 basic idea of a pop-up blocker is to block pop-ups but the reason why i recommend this so highly is because it doesn't just do that you know it it also obviously will um stop you from going to links you might not have intended to well and it shows you a little on the when you're on a page it'll show you how many ads it stopped on some pages and the number of ads that it stops on some pages is preposterous the the one i'm on right now is i'm i'm on youtube right now that's the the page i have up and it's 66 
ads that it has stopped just on YouTube. Those are rookie numbers. Yeah, those are rookie numbers. They're in the thousands in a lot of cases. Um, so yeah, uBlock Origin, highly recommended Chrome extension. Um, if you have questions on installing Chrome extensions, feel free to reach out. You can email uh, the show, mm-hmm. um, rad at com. You can also uh, email tech to you or even me directly, Ian, at techtoyou.com. And if you don't feel comfortable taking care of it yourself, you can give us a call. We can have a remote technician get connected and Easy check that all out for you. Um, the last extension I want to talk about, this is one that uh, somebody had asked about last week, was uh, a little instruction on understanding what LastPass is mm-hmm. and how to use it. So um, LastPass, again, is a uh, is a password manager. So this is, this is one of the um, Chrome extensions that I would find is the most useful, not necessarily as uh, beneficial as uBlock would be. uBlock mm. provides this immediate level of protection and it will protect you every single time you're browsing the web, just constantly. Yeah, it's so many different so reasons. fast to put it on there, right? Too. And um, it, it's just again low-hanging fruit, easy way to protect yourself, um, and it has it very obvious results uh, very quickly. So I, I would say that's my number one. But right behind that would be using a password manager. Um, Recently, there was, and we talked about this, a Comcast breach uh, where Comcast still has not notified their customers that they had a massive data breach. Um, I posted it on on my story on my Instagram, and I that got shared a few times, and I think it got shared on the Rad Instagram as well, just to kind of like get a little PSA out there. If you have um, Xfinity or Comcast, which a lot of the listeners don't have and even know what that is. It's a cable company that's based in many, many places in the U.S., but in mm-hmm. the Sacramento area, it's one of the bigger ones. And Yeah, uh, they're pretty big. They bought NBC. Yeah, so. they're, ma- they're a massive, massive company. Um, and yeah, anyway, they uh, leaked our usernames, our passwords, our birthdays, the last four of our social security question answers, um, I think there was a little bit more, some billing information. Yeah, basically, ev- basically, yeah, your address, all the right. information that they have on you mm-hmm. was taken. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And uh, so, and by you, I mean me, <laughs> me as well. Yeah, I have two accounts with them. So, um, anyway, what I said was, and I remind everybody is if. If you were you, uh, first off, you should change your password for your Chrome login. Or, I mean, sorry, your Comcast login. That's a good place to start. But um, this is the reason why I, I like hyperventilate when I repeat myself constantly saying, "Don't use the same password in more than one place." Like when I hear people say, oh, "I'll just use the same password I use everywhere for this one," it's like, "Oh God, I'm gonna have an aneurysm." And it's it, it's because it, this is such a preventable thing. Um, so I'm gonna bring this back to the password manager. Um, but when you, when, when Chrome or sorry, when Comcast leaked all of our, our information, my, my, my email address that I used to log into it Mm -hmm. as well as the password that I use. Mm -hmm. Well, if that, if that password was, you know, um, Seth's dad, one, two, three, four, five, and that's the password I use for all of my, all of my stuff. Well, then all these people who obtained these passwords have to do is go to wellsfargo.com, type in my email address, type in sesdad12345, and hope it'll work. But they're going to do this with an automated tool that's going to hit thousands of websites in a few seconds. And if your username and password is used again on any other website, it's very, very easy to gain access to that website. And then Mm -hmm. Comcast really made things worse for us by leaking things like our birthdays and our security question answers. What's the first concert you've ever been to? God, I you know use that a lot of times as a security question. In my case, and I've not dug this deep on the podcast yet, but I don't actually 
might like the answer to that is the Rolling Stones. But that's never the answer to my security question. I like that you're trying to cover that it was the new kids on the block. Hey, shut up. Um, and so <laughs> uh, what I what what I actually do is like if the security questions that it gives me are these pre-written ones and I can't write my own, um, I don't even provide an answer that's in English. It's just another encrypted garbled mesh of stuff I'll never know. And, uh, you know, obviously this is a little bit like higher level as far as management is concerned. And from a technical perspective, I understand what I'm doing so well. It's, it's hard for me to forget. It's, it's easy for me to get through these little password questions and challenges. Sure. But it all comes down to <gasps> my level of security is higher than average because I'm using a password manager. I know only maybe two of my passwords. I, I don't know har hardly any of my passwords at all. Most of them are somewhere between 16 and 25 characters. It pisses me off when I go to websites that are like, your maximum character for your password is 12. What? Yeah, I should be able to make dumb. it 100. I should be able to make it anything I want. Anyway, um, the point of the password manager is to make my life easier to have different passwords for mm. everything. Those passwords, I just use, uh, LastPass has a little generator tool. So I mm. hit the generate button and I tell it, generate a password that has uppercase, lowercase, symbols, numbers, make it 25 characters long. And I'm just gonna copy that and, and save that as my new password for this website I've just signed up for. And then LastPass says, great, it looks like you have used this email address and this password for this website. You want me to save that for you? Yes, please. I hit the save button. And then on my phone, when I log into that website, my same LastPass account knows that I've saved that password for that website. And what's even cooler is that a lot of the applications that I open in my phone, like let's say I open the Wells Fargo app, it knows that that's wellsfargo.com that I'm actually signing into. So it recommends, hey, do you want to use this email address and password combination that you signed with online for Wells Fargo for this app as well? Yes, please, because I have no idea what my 25-digit password is. And I don't, so again, I don't know my passwords. I don't need to know them. My password manager is storing them for me. Right. And, and I would say that the biggest benefit there is that it makes it so, so easy for me, so seamless and simple for my day-to-day -day life to have a different password for everything and not have to worry about remembering it. I only remember my primary LastPass password. That's the only one I need to know. They call it your master password. And the cool thing is I hardly ever even use that. I'm using Face ID on my phone to authenticate. Right, so I'm not even typing in a password that some guy at a bar who's looking at my over my shoulder can see as I'm logging in. But what happens when you forget that password? You have to go through a pretty bad process. Uh, it's rough, you don't wanna do that. You don't wanna forget that password. Um, and you also don't wanna put it in your notes app on your phone so that you don't forget it because that's again low hanging fruit. I, I actually could make an entire show about ways that people steal your information because of things that you do to simplify your life. Right. Like like putting passwords inside of the notes app on your phone. There are criminals who have been interviewed by major news organizations in jail who w explain exactly how they got away with tens of thousands of dollars in crime a night rep repetitively just like 
every night, every time you go to a bar in a college town, especially like these vulnerable younger people drinking, they're so it's so easy for them to open up their phone, type in the pin code real quick in front of 30 different people. Now somebody swipes your phone, unlocks it, opens up the uh, PayPal app, uses your pin code again to authenticate, mm-hmm. sends themselves money, you know, goes to, oh, oh, you have Apple Pay. Great. I'm going to use the pin code instead of Face ID because your pin code was visible. And I'm going to go to, you know, a, a luxury goods store and spend $10,000 on your credit card that you have an Apple Pay on your phone. So pin codes are kind of the devil. I highly recommend you don't use them in public places. That's why Face ID and fingerprints are so great is so that you can't replicate those easily at all, right? So that's kind of a separate story. But when it comes to authenticating online and typing in a password using something like LastPass. It doesn't have to be that. You have to pay for LastPass. In fact, I guess while I'm talking, I'll see if I can figure out what I'm actually paying for it because they have different prices. Um, So you pay, you you get a free version of it uh, where you can just install the Chrome extension on your Mm -hmm. browser and save save passwords there. Um, But in my case, I have the browser extension installed on my computer at work, on my computer at home, my laptop, my iPad, my phone, you know, it's like on all these different devices. So I'm paying for a subscription to have it synchronized through all of these different, all these different devices. So let's see here. I pay for, I think it's premium, which is $3 per month billed annually. So 36 bucks a year is what I pay. That's pretty reasonable. It's yeah. I mean, they bill it annually. So you do pay 36 bucks at a time. They have a family plan um, where you can add up to six users and that's $4 per month. Um, so, you know, you wife, kid, whatever, you know, however, however you want to split that up, but up to six people is pretty cool. And then, uh, one of the nice things with the family plan too, four bucks a month, most password managers offer the same thing, by the way, is they allow you to share passwords. So like my wife and I log into the same Hulu account. The oh, same Disney okay. Plus account, right? Um, or, or if we had a shared bank account. I sure would like to stop asking my wife what our Hulu password is. <laughs> I'm sure my wife would like to stop asking me, but I can't convince her to use LastPass. My own wife, but she, I think part is, of the reason... Isn't that the way? I, it is the way, and I think part of the reason is that she knows that I'm just readily available to answer these questions, and so for her See, it's you need to make yourself more withholding. If you make yourself less available... Sorry, babe. Yeah. Can't help. That's, that's that's more marriage advice. Sorry, sign up for Google Voice accounts. You're stuck at you're <laughs> stuck at the mechanic, and they won't they won't let you leave until you pay. Sorry, I hope you save the uh, credit card information in LastPass, like I told you to five times. <laughs> um, so LastPass, uh, going back to this Chrome extension thing, I would say second best, you know, effective day to day life thing to put into a browser, and then eventually, you know, install on your phone and, and use there as well. Um, I can't say enough good things about having a password manager. I, I, I don't even know how many hundreds of accounts. I looked a while back, and it's well over 300 um, accounts that I have in there. And that's unique, obviously. I know that, that like most people right. probably have. Like, What would you guess you have? Maybe 50? I probably have. Yeah, I probably have between 30 and 50 and accounts that, somewhere. And even that's high. But I don't, yeah, yeah, I mean, in a lot of those, I don't even, I don't even know what they you are anymore. Spread. And um, But probably a good chance you have old accounts not used regularly that's right that have the same password have on passwords on them that, that right. i shouldn't use anymore one and of the yeah the coolest things about LastPass is after you've given it all of your passwords for all these different accounts it'll tell you which ones you're reusing 
It's like, hey, you're SMUD, so Sacramento Municipal Utility District, that's our power and electricity, or sorry, electricity in the Sacramento area. Uh, you might have that in your PG&E, you're using the same email address and password. And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, by the way, you're using the same password for this and this, and also you're using that for this website, which had a known breach two years ago, right. and it'll tell you that. Like, hey, this is a website who had a known breach, and you haven't changed your password since you gave it to me two years ago. So somebody knows this password for all these accounts. That's one of the best things about this is it's kind of like this hyper-intelligent tool that can tell you you're vulnerable. Fix this password. There's a known problem. So those are my three recommendations for Chrome extensions, kind of what a Chrome extension is or or any browser extension for that matter. And uh, just to recap them, Ghostery and Privacy Badger, just preventing ads and targeted ad tracking online. uBlock Origin for mm-hmm. pop-ups and, and, and kind of helping you route when you're potentially about to click on an, uh, a scammy ad or something like that on Google. And then, of course, the last thing, uh, LastPass, which I, I, I feel like I sound like I work for LastPass with how much I hype them. It's not because the product is that great. It's good. It's fine. Don't get me wrong. It's not the best thing ever. There's competitors out there you no, can use, the, too. It's the best thing it's, Best thing ever. It's good, um, but you know it has downfalls like anything else. I just I what it allows me to be capable of with having so many different passwords and not having to think about it is invaluable in my opinion. So um, while we're talking here, before we move on to the next topic, I got a quick email. I'm going to go ahead and hit. Uh, Brian sends an email. Says, "Good morning, Ian. Thank you for your help. Will you give us and the honest guys you bring with you?" Oh, that's nice. You're apparently you're an honest guy, Jeff. Oh no. Uh, I want to upgrade to Windows 11. Right on. My my uh, laptop is for gaming, but I use it for photography. I don't play games. I received this when I tried to do the update. Do I need to take the laptop into a shop or can I do it myself? The laptop's about seven to eight years old. So he's got uh, a notice. This is probably something um, we could talk about at length and at a different time is um, when Microsoft released Windows 11, they did something that they hadn't quite done with prior operating systems, which is they, they put these limitations on the hardware that you have to have in order to upgrade. So uh, Brian's getting this this message that says, this PC does not meet the requirements for Windows 11. And uh, it shows this list of four requirements. One of them is how much memory the computer has. The other is that it has something called TPM 2.0 and then also Secure Boot. These are these are hardware functions that your your computer has to have built into it. Uh, and then the last one is that the processor needs to be uh, of a certain generation Intel or AMD processor. And in this case, um, he is using a just barely old enough Intel i5 processor uh, that it will not be supported by Windows 11. Um, I, you know, to my knowledge, there are we don't we don't do a lot of. Um, uh, like janky workarounds to make things work. We will do them if you if you ask. Yeah, you know, like we'll we'll educate you on what the limitations are of like, hey, if you want us to do this thing to force it to work, it just means that there's good probability there's going to be problems down the road. But um, it's not to say that we can't get Windows 11 installed on a computer with an older password or older uh, older processor, but it's right. not going to be a great experience. And I hate saying that as a computer repair professional. Um, our whole thing is, is, you know, you don't have to go buy a new one. Right. Our, our preference is to get the equipment that you're already using, that you're already comfortable with continuing to work so that you can continue to work. 
rather than put you in new hardware that you're unfamiliar with that costs a bunch of money. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, Microsoft forced a lot of people's hand by doing this, and they're they're really they are forcing you to buy new computers. Um, now, in your case, there is a possibility that uh, a processor upgrade could be done because it looks like based on the screenshot you sent me, you meet all of the other necessary hardware requirements, which is great um, because usually it's actually the other hardware <laughs> requirements that fail. Right. Um, so there and and the generation of processor that your computer currently has is old enough that they're cheap. We probably even have used ones that are of sufficient uh, quality to get you into a Windows 11. But it depends. There's a lot of variables there. Um, but we do free estimates, too. You can bring it into the shop. We'll assess it for you for free. Until yeah, the issue here that, that you're bringing up is one that does require the replacement of, of the processor, which is not something I would necessarily... You generally recommend that somebody try on their own unless they're familiar and confident with it. Well, and in, in specifically in this case, you mentioned, I believe it's a laptop that... Um, oh, yeah. If it's a laptop, then absolutely. Yeah, sometimes those are even like sort of soldered, somewhat irreplaceable. So anyway, bring, yeah, bring it in, Brian, yeah, and, uh, or call us. We can tell you more information. But yeah, common problem. Windows 11 does have hardware limitations, unfortunately. And well, that's not necessarily unfair either because well, they're, agreed. you know, like the Herculean task of trying to get your operating system to function with every single configuration of hardware that exists in the universe. And you can only support so many things. I just, uh, I just wish when your thing isn't supported. But. I just wish that they, and I totally understand why they didn't do this, but I just wish that Microsoft not being Apple um, for the most part, you know, Apple's this company that's like, we'll tell you what's best. Right, they Mike, control the hardware and the software. They've yeah. got that vertical integration there, right. so they they are in control of that whole experience. And you get no no choice really. But with Microsoft, it's been so, sort of you know to some degree the technicians a preferred operating system because we get to make the choice. We get to do right. what we want. So it'd be really cool if they were just like, well, you're going to have a pretty bad experience, and there's functions we can't give you, but you can use eleven. I wish that that would have been at least been an option, but they didn't they didn't really make it one. So. Um, moving on, there's a, a couple other things I wanted to talk about here. Um, a couple other emails that I got. So we'll, we'll hit one of them uh, here first that I, I got. Um, I think this was just yesterday. This one came from Adam. Uh, Adam says, hey, Ian, I've heard you say that certain brands of smart devices you should keep on a separate network. I have three Eufy security cameras for my home, and I was wondering if these are a problem brand. Uh, Eufy is spelled E-U-F-Y. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, he says, I personally love the quality and how easy they are to set up and use. Is there a video or any easy way to learn how to set up a second network for these types of devices? And just to recap with that, what, what he's asking is, um, should I have these on a network separate from the main Wi-Fi network I have at my house? That way, if they are vulnerable devices and somebody gets on that network, they're not on the same network as all of my stuff, my work computer, my kid's computer, you know, whatever else you have. Um, the short answer to your question is Eufy is a good brand. Uh, to my knowledge, they're name brand. It's, it's not, I, I wouldn't consider them off brand. Um, but I would also consider them in the category of device that is best suited for a second network. You don't need them on your main network. They don't provide you a benefit to, to be on your main network. Um, and, 
so by putting them on a secondary network, you are just ensuring what is probably slightly lower likelihood of a problem with those particular devices because the brand is is notable for doing regular firmware updates to keep up with security flaws. But they're not as quick as you know a computer is, as Microsoft is, as Apple is. Um, r- regardless of how good they might be compared to other brands of smart devices, they're still not a computer. They're still not as frequent. So it's, it's not a bad idea to have them on a separate network. Um, and then to your question of how do you do it? You know, I really wish I could just say, click this, click that, and you're done. You got this other network. But the reality is that every router, a router is, is typically, in most cases, the router is going to be the device which broadcasts your wireless network. Every brand of router is a little bit different. Um, how you access the router in the first place. And then finding the guest network settings within that router. The best thing I could recommend, I, th- I think probably the best broad answer I could give you is find your router, where, and, and you know, usually has an antenna sticking off of it, um, and flip it over, look at the back of it. There's going to be a model number on there somewhere. If you go to YouTube and you type in that model number and you type in guest network, so we'll say mm-hmm. Linksys, uh, WRT54G uh, guest network. For the real nerds out there, that was a little uh, that was a little drop to you that model number. Um, and you might if you don't find it on YouTube, if you don't find a great video on YouTube, go to Google, um, do the exact same search: Linksys WRT54G guest network. Those basic things. That's kind of a little art of Google. Um, another one is <laughs> I've talked about ChatGPT and how useful it is. This is a great use of ChatGPT because. OpenAI, the company who owns them, scoured the internet and collected an unbelievable amount of data. So chances are you could actually go to ChatGPT with the free version and say, I have this model router and I'm trying to follow the advice of this guy I listen to on a podcast who says to have a separate network. I'm not even really sure what that means, but I want to have a separate network for my other devices. Can you tell me how to do that with this model? And it'll break it down for you in plain English step by step. And if it doesn't get it exactly right, it'll get you enough information to know what else to look for. So I think it's the best I could give. Um, I really would love to just say this is how you do it, but it really is. It is totally different depending on the device brand that you have um, and and the software that it, that, that it runs, which is dependent upon the brand in most cases. So um, anyway, I hope I answered your question sufficiently. That's, that's the best I think I can give um, without you know having hands-on and actually kind of helping you a little bit with it. Um, but don't hesitate to use ChatGPT for this kind of thing. It's a great tool for this type of stuff. Um, another email that I got was from Nick. Nick said, hey, you know, I wanted to follow up. I was the guy with the fiber in his garage who had a ton of questions while I listened and I bought a new router. And I hardwired it to the AT&T modem in the garage. I ran an Ethernet na- uh, cable from the garage to one of my bedrooms, and everything works great. Awesome. I'm very glad to hear that. I did have another question. A friend told me about a firewall I could purchase called a rat trap. Do you recommend – or sorry, do you happen to know if these are any good? Uh, can I run this instead of an antivirus program, or would this be best in conjunction with an antivirus program? Again, as always, thank you for your help and expertise. Yeah, no problem, Nick. Thank you. It's a great question. Um, this one gets a little bit more technical than most people know about. I think many people have heard the word firewall mm-hmm. and know conceptually what it is. It's a, uh, a wall on your network that stops stuff from coming in that shouldn't. It's kind of all it is. Um, 
a hardware firewall, which is what Nick is asking about. Oh, okay. It's a device you plug into your network. Um, it kind of comes, it, it usually what would happen is it comes before your router uh, mm. so that all of the traffic coming to your router is filtered. There's, there's uh, a major benefit with a device like this, which is that if it is any good, it will um, catch content and uh, infections, even files, um, that you could be downloading or trying to access uh, that you shouldn't. It's like a, an extra layer of protection. Uh, businesses, many businesses run these. In fact, for a lot of our uh, corporate customers, we deploy hardware firewalls with the function of just an additional layer of protection before anything could even hit their network. Um, in some cases, we even go as far as like, building alert systems in on these firewalls to tell us about activity happening on a network that could be malicious so that we can get hands on it right away. Um, that's common in, in larger corporate environments. At your house, I'm gonna say first off, it's probably not really necessary. Your router has a firewall built in. That's probably okay, just, just fine. Um, and running it in conjunction with a nanovirus program is a great idea. With the device you asked for in particular, uh, Rat Trap, I don't even think that they're sell them anymore. I, I checked out their website and the buy link doesn't work. Um, and I can't really find them on, on Amazon, but to, to, to your point, um, a hardware firewall, my, my answer is it's, I don't think it's necessary. You know, unless you're running a business, I really don't think that this is something you need to, to worry about. Um, also most hardware firewalls come with a very expensive subscription. It's very common for those to be a hundred dollars a year or more. I looked up as far as what I could tell rat traps pricing either is or was, it was like a hundred bucks for the device and then another hundred dollars or so a year for the subscription. Right. Which you don't need. Well, well, yeah. And that subscription is, it, it makes sense because the subscription is what keeps the device updated for the most sure. common threats. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that it makes sense that it's something that they're charging a regular fee for because mm -hmm. like antivirus software, it's an arms race. They need to make sure that they're keeping it updated so that they can make sure that they're on the lookout for all the new bad things that are being <laughs> yeah. created that are being trying to be sent to you. But um, I, I don't, I certainly don't know better than Ian, but I agree with him that it's more security than a home needs. And it's also when, when he read the word firewall, I, I made a, a face because so many of our customers call in and they've talked with scammers who have tried to sell them software firewalls. Right. Where, which is they, not something... It, it exists. Yeah, it, it's... The, what they're selling doesn't... What they're selling is fraudulent. But um, we hear firewall. We know that it means protection. And so uh, vulnerable people will hear that from a criminal and say, well, yes, I, I, I want that. I've heard that word before and I, and I need that thing. It, like Ian was saying, it's built into your router already. The other security things that you can be doing are much more worthwhile than right. poking around more and effective. messing with this stuff. Yeah, I think um, the thing I would recommend that has significantly more value than what you're looking at is there is a, a brand I recommend highly for networking equipment called uh, Ubiquity. Mm -hmm. And they make a, a device. It's a router. Um, a router that broadcasts wireless and provides routing functions. Every every network in somebody's home has one. Uh, they have a, it's called the Unified Dream Router. Uh, it's like a little pill shaped white router. Um, cool looking little box. It broadcasts the most recent generation of Wi-Fi, which is Wi-Fi six. Um, so really good quality, high coverage. Uh, but it has a darn near 
commercial grade firewall built right into it. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly powerful. You can you can adjust its functions far, far better than anything like that rat trap could possibly offer. Um, and not only that, it's free. There's no monthly subscription. Well, no and Ubiquity used to be pretty much just for commercial things because it was they were hard to set up. Mm-hmm. They were complicated. and uh, But this new model is super easy for residential. It is. Yeah. You come, you get a little app on your phone and you just run through it and it's really freaking cool. I, I recommend them all day long. They are 200 bucks when they're available, um, but they're so popular, they sell out constantly. So if you're to find them on eBay right now, brand new, they're probably going to be 275 to 300 bucks just because uh, scalpers are going to be scalping. Um, and that's still not that's still not more than what you would have paid for a really high-end router totally five, 10 years ago. and it's uh, a good deal. And dollars are worth less now than they were then. So it's really it's yeah, really right. a lot less. So uh, a couple other things I wanted to get through today. Um, one of them, I'm trying to make this kind of quick, but another one of those like sort of just PSAs is um, if you have, if you follow somebody online, let's just say it's a, a YouTuber or, or somebody who does podcasts, me. If maybe, maybe you follow me. I'm not popular enough, to my knowledge, to have this be a real threat. You're but, not popular enough to my knowledge either, Ian. Yeah, I'm not really popular in general. But um, if somebody decided, let's say let's say this audience has decided, or at least a percentage of this audience has decided, I trust what Ian has to say. Well, if you do, thanks. Um, but it doesn't take much effort for somebody to clone my voice. My voice is out there. It's readily available. Um, or even with, God, all the video that I've put out now uh, on, on Rad TV, um, you got my face. You got great video of all the different expressions that I make and how I talk. So it'd be really easy to clone what I look like, what I sound like, and get me to say something like, the rat trap is the best firewall on the market. It's only $99. And I could advertise this thing. And then I, then somebody throws it up on social media and they're like, oh, that's the Ian from tech to you and, and he's talking about this device. I, I, I like what he has to say. I'm going to buy it. So um, this is becoming very, very common and the challenge is identifying what is legitimate and what's not because a lot of times youtubers and 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 content creators of any kind they don't necessarily like have a list on their website of the products that they endorse but i will say that that is becoming increasingly popular um there's a a youtuber who i I enjoy his channel is called jerry rig everything Started with phone reviews. He does all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. And do you watch him too? I've seen a couple. Okay. Of so he, yeah, he does, uh, but he sells his own products. Um, and he is sponsored by various brands and he posts videos up on his YouTube channel, um, you know, highlighting some of these products and what he, so I would say that if you're unsure, go to the, the source uh, directly, you know, if it, if it's an Instagram account you follow with somebody really popular, go directly to their Instagram account. See if you can find that same video. Um, the problem is though that these these deepfakes of celebrities endorsing products are becoming so prevalent now that it's and and so good quality that it's becoming very challenging to identify real from fake. And if somebody goes to the lengths of cloning someone's face and vocal quality to advertise a product, there's a high probability that that product is either a scam or the product doesn't exist at all and they're just there to collect as much money as they can get from you. Right, why Why would they be lying 
to you right. if they had something honest to sell you. Exactly. So um, it, this is really just come more of a public service announce, uh, announcement. Be aware of those things. When you and if if you've got a keen eye, you can usually tell like mouth movement, some eye squinting doesn't really look organic. It's on just going to get things. harder and harder to tell though. Yeah. The the challenges at this point, I can't say what I could have said. Two years ago, which is like, yeah, you can tell. Just pay close attention. You'll be able to tell that it's Look fake. at the hands. Yeah, yeah. There's three fingers instead of, you know, four. Usually there's seven. <laughs> AI's just got fingers to burn. Yeah. It's funny. I actually had to generate a picture the other day. I was trying to do a working hands picture. So um, it was somebody with their palms up on a, on a piece of, uh, like, w- worn wood or something. Mm. <laughs> and both, both hands had three fingers. And it was like the most alien-looking thing. It was so weird. Um, anyway, it gets, gets a lot of things wrong. But that's, you know, that, that said, I wasn't using the same tools that a lot of these guys who are doing malicious things are using, which are more advanced for exactly what they're looking for. So anyway, something to keep an eye out, uh, an eye out for. Um, another one is uh, using AI to fake evidence of things. Um, there was a, a kind of a silly one that happened the other day. And it's so hard to tell online when people are being genuine. But there was a quote-unquote photograph of slaves building the pyramids in uh, in Egypt. And um, and it's funny because, you know... The, the they ma- use that alien camera technology. Yeah, the majority of us with a third grade uh, education have figured out, like, obviously there's not a camera there, right? But there are people who fall for this stuff. And... That, now that's just a kind of a silly one, but um, imagine that you have this really advanced tool that can generate pictures of people that we know mm-hmm. and we know what they look like, mm-hmm. and it makes them look perfectly real with mm-hmm. indistinguishable qualities of of the a- actual person. And you put pictures of these people on Jeffrey Epstein's island, and it, you know, as as a way to provide proof for political gain that they're somebody you don't want to trust. Well, and earlier this year, uh, I'm allowed to say the names of the people who did the things, um, but I probably earlier this year, the uh, the Ron DeSantis campaign put out a series of pictures of Donald Trump hugging and kissing Anthony Fauci, which was not in the nature of either of those people to be doing. Yeah, Um, it's uh, it's really easy to do these things now. And and for the most part, the malicious ones are done at the moment for like political gain. Or, or as a way to sort of um, demonstrate, God, well, you know, the smear campaigns have always been a thing. I mean, they've been a thing as long as I can remember. Yeah, for well, they've been, <laughs> they've been, they've been along. So, I mean, our 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 founding fathers. Oh, would, sure, would, sure. Would they? I mean, there were they there. I forget which one it was now, but I, one of them published an article in a newspaper accusing the other one of being a hermaphrodite. That sounds like, like something was, Hamilton would do. It was. It wasn't him though. <laughs> it, but it sounded like yeah. But like like it was just like weird, weird, strange, archaic, very public mudslinging that wasn't based on anything. So this it is was, nothing new. Um, and obviously, you know, you have politicians that will use these tools. Uh, but I it, also don't know. I don't. I don't know that that's a. I don't know the appropriateness of that word either, but but like, I so I, I certainly I certainly didn't seek to offend anybody, but it it's just a weird thing for a weird thing for one of our uh, for one of the framers of our constitution to accuse another person of being publicly. The um, 
the 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 thing to look out here for is that when you see something that is like oh god now that totally changes my opinion of this person um, try to do a little research to find out its validity. If it gets popular enough, Snopes.com is usually a pretty reliable resource to identify the legitimacy yeah. of something. Yeah. Um, and, and typically, if it gets enough attention, Snopes will even provide uh, you know, documentation to demonstrate their, how they've identified their proof. So uh, I'd imagine that websites like Snopes will be gaining <laughs> in popularity a lot as, as AI continues to... Um, fake people out. So another thing, you know, PSA, keep an eye out for just kind of an extension of that first one we we're talking about with deep fakes. Um, so I got some fun stuff I want to end off the show with. One of them is a really quick one. And uh, it is that we all who use Windows or have been using Windows for a long time are very well aware of what a, a keyboard looks like. And there's been kind of the, the, yeah, the kind of the same keys on these keyboards for, I mean, at least 15 years, if not going on more like 2025. 20, no, no, it's definitely over 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I, for the most part, they're the same. I'm kind of looking at my keyboard as I'm talking about it here. And there's a, there's a key that m many people don't use, and this is speculated to be the key that's getting replaced. It's called the list key. It's to the left of the control key on the right side of your keyboard. Um, and it's just not something that most... Uh, users would have a reason to use. So I, I'm going to show you. I don't actually know what that key does. Oh, it brings up the, uh, like if you right click on something, you know? Oh. Yeah, it, it brings up the, the little list view if you right click. So if you had something uh, highlighted and then you click the list key, it'll bring down the little menu. I'm so gonna, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going <laughs> to press the heck out of that button when I get out of here. So uh, Microsoft is is uh, demonstrating that they're going to be adding a new key to their, probably to their Surface tablets first is what I would expect on their keyboards. Uh, and it is a yeah, the keyboards they're in control of. Yeah, they like they make the hardware and software for these. Um, and so this little uh, key is going to be a dedicated AI Copilot key. And the, the idea is that it brings up the Copilot um, thing on the right side of your screen, which allows you to, I've talked about Copilot in the past, but basically it's like an AI assistant to Windows. And right now it can do stuff that's interesting and somewhat beneficial, um, but as it gets better, it's going to be able to do pretty insane stuff. Like you can tell it things like, I need a program that's capable of doing this. And it's going to say, here's the programs in the Microsoft Store that can do it. This is the one we'd recommend first. Here's second, here's third, here's why. Uh, and here's how to use them if you decide to get it. You know, pretty pretty advanced stuff. Sure. And then, um, so the, the idea is that this key is really a promotion for Copilot. That's really what it is. I, I actually don't really see it being, they're going to have a little thing on the screen that's going to be open Copilot. Yeah, but, you know, so we talked about how, how long ago it was since the keys were added to the keyboard. The last key that was added to the keyboard was the Windows key, which is down there in the bottom. Is that, did you look that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes it, sense. And they were saying, like, it's been approximately 30 years since a key's been added to the normal wow. keyboard, and it's that Windows key. And. Um, but the Windows key doesn't do anything that we're not able to do with our mouse. You just move Technically it on. Technically not. You Technically just move not. the mouse on down over to the bottom of the screen and the uh, thing pops up. I use the Windows key religiously. I use the Windows key all the time, too. Yeah. I'm just saying it's not necessary. Right. You're saying the Copilot key won't be necessary. That doesn't mean that we won't be using totally, it. Totally. I agree. I mean, there's going to be... You can't tell me that it. you won't be using the oh, copilot key I'm going to be using the hell out of it o only for the the fun of it but um probably uh it won't it won't be something that is a game changer I think if anything though it's a good uh, identifier that Microsoft is trying to tell people times are changing and we're going to integrate AI into our stuff and it's going to 
change the way we compute to a degree in the beginning it'll be small but there's no question that over time the way we use computers today will change and evolve rapidly and significantly because of ai there's just so many things that we do that are mundane unnecessary tasks because as a person we're capable of interpreting what needs to be done but when you have a digital assistant that's smart enough, there is a lot of the basic stuff that we have to do uh, that we can just kind of eliminate. And it's, it's hard to predict what all of those things will be. Um, but some of them are, are, are obvious, uh, you know, and just, again, like finding the right program to do something, asking your computer in play, plain English to help you find it. So, Well, and I think that we're moving toward, <laughs> I mean, I think we're moving toward that Star Trek situation where they just walk around, they say, computer, do this thing for me, and then the computer just does it for you. And, I'm, I'm for you know as much as I hate that little LG robot um, that we well, talked about last and week. Well, and that's why that's why I'm not opposed to him. It's because I'm I'm not I don't know why I think it's a little him, but I yeah I, sure just, you've he, assigned it a gender. He, he, he and got that's a, fine. He got a little face and yeah, sure. um, and the wheels and whatever. But I <laughs> I think that think that having something that's really easy to access that that you kind of have a relationship with that's not just yelling all the time like me and the, the Amazon lady. I don't want to say. I don't want to say <laughs> yeah, her name and like activate it in everybody else's yeah. house and be like, oh. I don't mind. I but, think it's funny. Okay, but but like I I I, I yell at her a lot. Um, and <laughs> no no no, Stop. I don't want that. Stop. Shut up. Shut up. Shut I actually up. one of the things I'm looking forward to more than anything is there's been leaks and I don't know how real they are of Apple actually having a gener generative. AI assistant like Siri might actually not be stupid in by the end of this year I I really like a lot of the things like I have I have five or six home pods in my house for the speakers one to play music everywhere it's all synchronized it's great I like that part but uh, two is I could be in any room my garage I could be in in, in uh, any of the rooms in the house a bedroom and I can say you know turn on the lights or, or whatever starts all kinds of stuff. And um, I like that a lot. But I also really enjoy, at the moment, the simplicity of my request and and its action. Um, I will enjoy when there's intelligence to it to maybe, maybe if I say turn on the lights and it's daytime, it'll be intelligent enough to know. And this is, we can kind of already do this, but not great. Uh, like they, the lights need to be on completely, like all the way brightness, right? But if it's like middle of the night and I walk into the kitchen and I say, turn on the lights, like I'm not trying to get blasted by these like five really bright lights. Maybe I just want them at like 10%, just enough to see. Um, and these are the kinds of little, little subtle things that people like me will notice immediately. Oh, it made a decision that I may or may not have liked. And I think the vast majority of people won't notice what it's doing. They'll just kind of feel better about how it works. And th that is where I, that's probably the, one of the easiest ways to encapsulate how computing and interacting with electronics is going to be changing with AI is the people who are the, the fist wavers of, you know, keep this technology out of my house are going to start finding that the frustrations that they've seen for the last decade will start to disappear. Sure. And I think it will, that's what will usher in this unique era of um, adoption of unique devices and, and uh, new technologies and how we interact with them. And I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm that, that's the part I'm really excited to see even God for just 
the profitability of our industry. You got the, you know, tech to you is oh, sure, a company yeah, yeah. that well, will be in high s- demand as people setting those things up for you all the time. Right. So that, I mean, it's, it's great for us because, and it's, it's always been that way for the last, I've been here for almost 16 years and for 16 years, people have been saying like, well, you know, computers have less problems now than they used to. And right. it is true that there are less problems than the ones we experienced 16 years ago, but there's just more new things that are constantly iterating and evolving and need connections and, and, so I'm I'm really looking forward to the future from a, that two-part approach. One, the I think people will enjoy the technology more, and two, that's great for our industry. Our industry will just be able to continue to evolve along with the technologies as we have. It's fun, um, and I enjoy obviously you know new things, uh, new new technologies and stuff. It's my jam. So last thing, new technologies. That's a good segue. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the C- CES is going on right now in Vegas. CES is something I've I've wanted to attend for a long time, but I kind of get everything I need out of it by simply going to um, their website <laughs> and looking at uh, reviews of products that are coming up. Right. CES always introduces products that are ones we didn't ask for. Sure. And uh, <laughs> and like there, for example, there's a lot of things that we do want, but there's definitely a lot of things that yeah, you know, like oh, I didn't know, and it's, I didn't know that was something that I could use. It's kind of cool too. Like you'll see them make something like uh, a TV that's invisible. You know, it's totally transparent uh, until right. it's turned on, and it's like wow, you know, if I mount that on my wall and I have a, a photo behind it, I just have this wall with this beautiful artwork. But then when I want it to be a TV, it's a high definition, 4K, you know, bright screen TV that operates beautifully. Now, those TVs are like $100,000 from LG they right now. They are so Right, but, um, but the obviously, uh, so was Plasma when it came out in like 1999 or whatever. And then people started adopting it in their homes in the early 2000s. And then the prices became kind of reasonable. Around like 2005 to 2008, there were... You know, fifteen hundred bucks. That was a high end TV you could buy. But in the beginning, yeah, hundred grand to get this plasma device to work, and it, it was absurd. Like, whoever is going to adopt this? So I think that we'll probably still we'll we'll see transparent TVs in homes. I think that will probably become a thing, and that's kind of cool. You know, you don't have to have the TV as the centerpiece of the room anymore. Right. Um, but anyway, some technologies that we didn't ask for, but uh, some one one I I actually really like the idea of. Uh, the first one is. Um, General Electric has introduced a new device to their Profile line. Profile is a, a series of, of uh, like appliances, uh, ovens and, and microwaves and such. And uh, they have a new Profile indoor smoker. Now, as somebody who uses a smoker outdoors, um, and you've you've had my beef. Am I, am I, am I mistaken on yes, that? Yes, right? I've I've had your beef. Jeff has had my beef. Um, and were you were you satisfied with the quality of my beef? I was satisfied with your beef. Ah, that's so good to hear. So uh, that was I think I think he came over when I probably smoked a, a brisket or something like it that. It was definitely a brisket. I'm I'm very much a novice when it comes to smoking. I'm not one of the people that's like I know the best woods and all that. I just I kind of you know throw throw it on the e grill and let it do its thing. And, but I enjoy you know it's kind of hard to screw up a 16 hour smoke it's going to come out good and um so ge has made a device that allows you to smoke food inside of this sort of oversized microwave inside your house and it actually burns wood pellets the thing i'm still not crystal clear on is exactly how it neutralizes the smoke it, it turns it into warm air yeah i don't know how um <laughs> i don't know how <laughs> i i would like to see the there, science with the colored colorful arrows <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, 
like we have pretty cool technology to take things out of the air. Um, but basically what it does is it, it, it makes it regular air uh, with, with smoke flavor in it and not the smoke. So you can use it inside your house. You can put it inside of a, if you live in an apartment. Yeah, I a, have to feel like it's probably better for the environment too. I don't know that it is, but I just can't see how it wouldn't be if they're putting it yeah. in. Because I wouldn't, because that's why you don't have an outdoor smoker indoors is because you fill your house full of unbreathable smoke. I think, that, you know, if that's something that you care about is, is, the, uh, is the environment, then uh, presumably this maybe has a benefit you know um, you're using electricity pr- probably a good amount of it too to heat up um, the pellets to a degree that they need to actually you know catch fire and release smoke so anyway I'm, I'm just playing this little video here on the on the on the live feed and and uh, shows their little promotion about the whole thing they show more food than they do the product so i really like you know it never occurred to me that i could put marshmallows in a smoker that's the thing if anything we're gonna sell me <laughs> like oh i could have like <laughs> i could have like s'mores like smoke real s'mores. smoky s'mores i'm kind of down with that too i i do i have a i have a process for more or for s'mores in the microwave like i've got it down oh, really yeah and i mean they're not amazing but they need to teach me your ways oh it's yeah it's a thing and it works great you know uh, anyway so indoor smoker this is this is one of the things that got released at ces or it announced very early and you can actually already buy it um yeah they, they're on amazon yeah i think that's by selling them and um yeah the thousand bucks that's a good point um i think i paid i want to say maybe 350 bucks 400 something like that for my smoker um, delivered. There was a, a, a company that is local in our area that actually delivered it and set it up for me. They assembled it at my house. Um, that was awesome. That was all. That was all. I think included in the purchase. If I'm not mistaken. Anyway, um, I use that thing pretty regularly, and this for a thousand dollars is quite a lot more. But if you don't have an option, you don't have a backyard. Um, I I don't need marshmallows that badly. I don't need them that badly either. But I do really like smoking meat, and um, I think that. Uh, this is a cool option for the people who can't, who don't have room for a smoker. It's probably not going to be as good. I already read a review that said it's not quite the same as like actually smoking beef, but it's it's a fine substitute for not having it. This is the kind of thing that we find at CES. I mean, not all of it, but it is innovative. It's unique. It will be used by some, not the masses, um, but it gets ideas going. You know, like could we integrate the functions of this thing into your everyday oven so that you don't need to buy a $1,000, uh, you know, smoker that's dedicated for this function. Instead, we just integrate it into the ovens. Now my mm-hmm. oven is a convection oven and a standard oven and a smoker all in one. That'd be pretty cool. It's the third heat. It's the third heat that I need, you know? Yeah. And then another one I wanted to show, this one is definitely more on the line of absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it is called the Skyted, S-K-Y-T-E-D. And it is a device that you slap on your face. It's like an oversized face mask, I guess is probably mm-hmm. the best way to say it. It's very bulky. I can't imagine it's very light. Um, and it weighs, a pro- it weighs a fifth of a kilogram. I don't know how much that actually is because I'm American. Yeah, I don't know what those are in freedom units either, but I, 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 looking at it, I can't imagine it's very light. Um, it's less than a pound. Is it? Yeah, yeah. A kilogram. A kilogram is like that's not bad. A kilogram is like three pounds. That's pretty light. I mean, I mean I the plastic. That's stupid. Of it. People be like, "This guy doesn't know what that a kilogram is." But. Yeah. So anyway, the idea of this device that you slap on your face is that effectively, 
it mutes your voice to those around you. <laughs> you turn it on, and if you talk while this thing is slapped on your jaw, it the people that are standing around you can't hear what you're saying. Um, but it has a little microphone in it, so if you had it connected to Bluetooth and you're having a phone call, the person you're on the phone with can hear you very well. Mm-hmm. Um, that I believe, I believe everything that they're selling. I yep. totally believe that this process does what they Did say. Did you know they use parts of airplanes to make it? They do repeat that a few times. The, sorry, the promotional video shows shows an exploding view of the side of an airplane over and over. Because I guess it uses the <laughs> same technology. It's the same technology they use to dampen the sounds of jet engines is being used on your face. Yeah, because I talk like a jet. Um, I Yeah, it's just... They, so they've announced this device, and you can buy this. And, um, you know, I don't remember seeing the price for it. Um, but if you really need the people around you to not hear what you're talking about, uh, I guess that this is the device. Yeah, to, I mean, I you. I know that like I know that my voice is loud, and that sometimes my conversations are inappropriate, and so this seems like a useful thing. Like if you want to if you want to have private conversations in a public space and look like a Batman villain, this is the product for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Batman villain, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty insane. I, it, it is not covert. So this is the type of thing though that um, gets announced at, at CES, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm into it. I think that again, I like the I like the innovation part of it. the The last thing I'll I'll, I'll leave us with uh, of things that you can slap onto your face that are new technology is uh, the Apple Vision Pro, which is Apple's headset. We talked about this in a prior mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Episode. I have a little video of it up right now. Um, this thing looks so badass. Uh, as somebody, I'm not a, a VR aficionado, but I'm I keep up with it pretty closely. Right. And the technology that they have packed in this thing blows my mind. It, it really sure. looks incredible, and um, it is going to be available for pre-order this month, and then it, I believe deliveries are happening early February, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a kind of a surprise because when Apple announced this particular device, uh, it was the idea was you know it's going to be available um, eventually, mm-hmm. and we didn't really know mm-hmm. when. It's actually a little sooner than I'd anticipated. Um, and basically, it's a VR device you put on your face, and it can show you your world around you. Um and and make virtual things inside of it augmented reality as yeah, you yeah. call that AR and um basically it, or it can transport you into these different lands like this guy is sitting at the you know edge of a lake and watching a TV screen that's you know three hundred feet wide or whatever um really cool stuff that it's capable of and my understanding is from some people online that I would trust what they what they have to say is that the uh, technology um is borderline magic like how quick the response rate is of of what you see versus when you turn your head and that's one of the biggest things that makes people sick on vr is these strange delays that our body has a hard time processing right like for a long time you know when the at disneyland they had that ride the star tours and it still exists it's different Mm -hmm. and revamped now um and they had they had a couple other ones at like the epcot center they had the I forget what it was. It was like this body where you're riding a space, you're riding a ship through the blood vessels and things like that. And I remember they explained to me at the time uh, that if the if the video that you're seeing 
in in those things so the the if you haven't been on that ride uh the way that it functions is that there's a big screen in front of you that shows you what is ostensibly on the outside of the spaceship that you're in. And then the ground you're sitting on moves violently to mimic the behavior of the ship. And uh, on a on a field trip, it was explained to me by somebody who worked there that if that video is off by, it was like a sixteenth of a second, that's substantial. People, people would need to get hospitalized. Yeah, like like the kind of the kind difference. of illness yeah. that it would create. It's it's actually dangerous um, because I mean, and that's the source of motion sickness in general. When we're when we're standing on a boat and we don't feel like we should be moving, when our eyes tell us we're not moving, but our body tells us we are, the disparity between those stimuli is what causes us to become motion ill. Sick. Yeah, and and so the closing the gap of the visual and the physical has been a uh, a tall order for VR companies to do. I mean, you're processing a lot of data in a very 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 fast sh- short period of time. And uh, anyway, I, I just wanted to kind of drop this real quick that the Apple Vision Pro is coming out sooner than I thought. I'm very excited to see the reviews for it. It's 3,500 bucks, which is, I mean, in comparison to any other virtual reality headset, it's absurdly priced. I mean, the best ones are $1,000 right now. But am, am I correct? It looked to me like it's not something you hook up to a computer. It's not. It, it is, is its own computer. computer. But that said, so is sort of the Oculus. You know, the Oculus mm. is another uh, device that you can just pop on your head and connect to power and the games are built into it. Oh, you know, okay. There are, there, but they're rudimentary. You know, they're they're not quite Nintendo, you know, original Nintendo quality games, but they're not great. They're not, you know, AAA titles or anything. Yeah, there's recently. not, we haven't reached the ubiquity of VR adopters yet for, right. for AAA studios to be putting everything into. Although Capcom went all in on the Resident Evil um, right to make a right. VR game, and and they, in fact, they even made a a really high end version of Resident Evil that works well on the newest iPhones too, which it, it like runs incredibly well on a phone, and you're getting all the dynamic lighting effects and everything. So anyway, the the um, Apple Vision Pro is coming out, thirty five hundred bucks. Um, I don't think I want to give oh, Apple yeah, thirty five hundred dollars yeah, for this. Don't, yeah, yeah. I would Let's love not play pretend. I would love to try it. These people emailed and they said that you were honest. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. Like, if somebody gave me one, I'd be all for yeah, it. You're gonna buy one. Thirty five hundred bucks is a big. That's a steep jump for something that I'm still trying to find the use case for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, the use cases that you're gonna buy one. I. It's possible, but I, I, what I will tell you definitively, if 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 I'm gonna be honest, Ian here. I'm not buying it day one for certain. Okay. I, I, I with no question, um, I, there is a very specific YouTuber, uh, Marquez Brownlee, who I love his videos. He's notably very honest about how he feels about products, but he's, he dives into the things I exactly, exactly that I want to see. Um, and he, uh, he is going to for sure have this. He probably already has it. Um, and he's going to review it. And I am very eager to hear what he has to say because he and I have a very similar eye for like what we can catch that doesn't look real. Mm. Um, I've noticed that he comments on things almost exactly the same way that I do when it comes to the visual. Um, he's got a better eye than I do, but it's, 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 we're very close in our opinion. If his opinion of this is I'm making great use of it and I'm glad I have it, I will probably end up getting one. 
But I don't think he's going to say that. I think what he's going to say is, as, as of now, it's a novelty because it doesn't do enough. It's an incredible technology that doesn't quite do anything that improves my life yet. Yeah, you say that, but you bought the Apple Watch way before it could tell you how much oxygen was in your blood. All I cared about was that it could show me my text messages. That's actually the only reason I haven't upgraded this thing in like five years is because it still shows me my text messages great. And you know how unlike, uh, unlike that... Uh, that that that's unlikely for me to not upgrade a device right now. No, I know you're. This right. thing has you're got right. scratches all over it and stuff. It's unusual for me to beat stuff up this much and not replace it. Uh, but it does exactly what I need, so I'm you know, hanging on to it still. Um, anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens in the coming months uh, with the Apple Vision Pro. Maybe there will be a time where I get to review it directly for you guys. But in the meantime, um, that will be uh, that will be something I will leave to the professionals with significantly more money than myself. So on that note. Uh, Thank you guys all for being here. And uh, I've got, there's going to be a good amount of CES news for next week too. So I'll probably have a good amount of uh, that show where we talk about more ridiculous devices and I'll show you some more stuff that's coming out. Uh, in the meantime, I'll, as always, ask, you know, feel free to email if you have any questions about technology or anything like that. I love answering those things on the show. And I will see you guys all next Tuesday.